yes, we've entered into a new year. And, uh, you know, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, you know, how often we we walk ahead of ourselves or we walk into situations a bit blind, really. We don't always sort of like have our spiritual eyes open and, you know, I'm with you on it. You know, we, we all do this. And uh, I was just talking to a friend a few days ago and it really made me realise that we can go through a lot of hardship and difficulty through not walking really in tune with the spirit. And if we're going to walk into this new year, uh, 2022, and dare I say even this season, we really need to have our eyes open. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and what's actually going on, not just in our own personal lives, but the, the bigger picture worldwide. What is going on? What are the signs of the end times? What What's actually going on? How does it affect me? And how can I still be effective in this day and age and uh, that's our passion that's our heart as a church to be effective wherever god plants us so this morning i'm going to share a word with you and it's called seeing in the spirit if you want a sermon titled seeing in the spirit but let's just pray and trust the lord will lead us so father in jesus name we just commit this word to you we thank you for your word it's infallible it's enduring it's our compass lord god and i thank you that it is our eyesight in the dark it's the torch that helps us see lord how to navigate this this thing called life the father in jesus name we thank you that your holy spirit leads us into all truth amen amen so yeah well as we head into this year let's really try and get it right it's so easy <clears throat> to run ahead and make mistakes and uh, you know we all do it <clears throat> from different times in our lives and children do it all the time they run ahead of their parents and get lost fall over whatever that situation is and you know so often we do that ourselves as well so uh, before we run it, run ahead one of the most important aspects of walking or running is eyesight it's so important to be able to see where you are going. If you cannot see where you are going, you can go headlong into danger. And as the church, we have spiritual eyesight, we're able to see. But there are times and areas of our lives where we simply shut our eyes, where sin can come in, or there can be uh, confusion, there can be uh, distraction that blurs our eyesight, so we can't see properly and you are too important in the kingdom of God not to be able to see properly because you might well be a guide for many other people and so we have to take responsibility for ourselves and say you know am I have I got 2020 spiritual vision as it were and so uh, I got a, a letter from Specsavers the other day saying you know Mr Guest you need to come in and have your eyes checked and so on and so forth and and that spurs that thinking and sometimes the way we deal with things, we need to analyse sometimes and say, you know, did I really walk close to the Lord in this or would the flesh get in? Really, my own emotions, my own heartache, my own disappointment, my own jealousy, my own uh, wanting my own way, whatever it is, or was I really walking in the spirit? And so scripture says we have to judge ourselves soberly and that's not always easy, trust me. It's not. Sometimes we are our own greatest fan as well as our own greatest enemy. 
But running ahead can be dangerous. We have to be able to see what is around us. It's no good just having great legs, great feet, great physique. If you cannot see where you're going, you're going to run straight off track. And as great as the other areas might be of your physique and your ability and your uh, uh, fitness, if you can't see where you're going, you're going to have a problem. And we have to be careful not to move with the eyes of the flesh. And that's what Adam and Eve done. They got their eyes off of what God had given them. They got their eyes onto what he hadn't given them and they got distracted. And they ended up forfeiting all the things that God had given them in the Garden of Eden because they were not looking properly. They got distracted. They weren't seeing what God had given them. Rather, they were looking at what he hadn't. And we're all, all guilty of that, myself included. That Adam and Eve then forfeited and lost out that privilege of the Garden of Eden and all the wonderful fruit. And we know that sin came in and all the other consequences of that. But have you missed out because you're not seeing? And it's caused you to miss out. Well, the wonderful thing with God is he is a restorer. Yes, he is a restorer. Whether you like it or not, God is a restorer. And when we're repentant and when we're, we acknowledge we've gone wrong, God's heart, the Father heart of God, is to bring restoration, whether it's to an individual, a family, a church, a nation, a country. God is a restorer, okay? Never, ever give up. Other people may not accept you. Other people may give up on you, but never give up because God never will he leave you nor will he forsake you. And do you know what? He knew all your muck-ups when Jesus died on the cross for you. He already knew. It wasn't no surprise. So don't give up, even if you've, your eyesight's been bad. Don't give up. Keep going. And for me, I've really learned a lot about seeing this last year through a friend of mine in our fellowship called Mark. Bless you, Mark, if you're listening this morning. And uh, I hope you had a good new year. But Mark, sadly, has lost his sight. And so Mark is blind. And having spent time with him over the last year, uh, we 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 were crazy enough to go on a shopping trip so me and mark go to the local shopping precinct in dartford and we go shopping together i've never led a blind person anywhere and uh he's never trusted somebody as crazy as me probably and we went shopping for about four hours together to buy a suit for his wedding and it really really made me realize how trusting he he had to be of other people to lead him safely to avoid obstacles to uphold his integrity when you know he was eating or drinking or whatever it was and being there to help him and it's such a relationship of trust and i certainly felt really really honored that i could be there for him and it really made me think about my trust in god you know he's leading us and do we let him lead us you know when mark when me and mark were together he held my hand and he never questioned he just absolutely trusted me yet the lord is leading us who's perfect and yet we always question and we're we're not quite sure or we're not quite sure god is is, is he is he going to lead me into a disaster and all these different things well let me assure you 
that God loves you more than I love Mark. And I love Mark. And I must say, we, we accomplished the, the shopping trip and uh, later that year, Mark got married. But you can really learn a lot. And it made me very conscious of surroundings. Surroundings, other people, objects, food, how we eat, all these different things, just through spending more and more time with Mark and being there to support him. And we've got to allow the Lord to lead us and we've got to trust the Lord in, in that leading. Yes, you might have been let down before, but you've still got to trust the Lord in his leading. So I learned a lot from that. And what I learned was dependency. And we don't like being dependent on other people. We want to be independent. And modern day society drives us to be independent. <clears throat> and it's actually very contradictory to the word of God. Because the word of God causes us to be dependent on each other and says we're one body and we've got to lean on one another we've got to trust one another we've got to forgive one another we've got to teach one another you've got all the one and others that jesus shared and so we live in a society where the culture of the christian is very different to the culture of the non-believer because we're called to be dependent on one another so Let's have a little bit of a look because when you lose your eyesight, that dependency and trust in other people is so important. And like I said, we've got to allow the Lord to lead us and he wants to lead us. Now, Matthew 13, verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? Parables were like little stories. Uh, very practical, uh, relating to things around them that they could understand, like farming, uh, building, so on and so forth, part of their culture. And he replied, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not them, meaning his disciples and not the wider, uh, wider humanity. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance, but whoever does not have they will have, what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Those hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is the fulfilment of the prophecy from Isaiah. You will be hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become hardened and they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and their understand and have understanding in their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Uh, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they here. So Jesus was showing his disciples, really, this was about salvation and receiving him and receiving him as, as Lord and King in, uh, of the Jewish nation uh, for who he truly was. But it was their blind eyes, the, the, the shutting down of their faith that meant that they were missing out. They People listen without uh, really hearing and they look without really seeing and even believers can be like that in different aspects of life so salvation is about being able to see clearly and hear clearly Saul's 
salvation, the awakening that came upon Saul, you've got to remember he was blinded for three days. For three days he was blinded and he went to Damascus and once he was in Damascus he received his sight. And through hearing the gospel it said, it said the scales fell from his eyes and there was like scales that because the Lord had blinded him but once he, he understood in his heart the scales were moved and sometimes you get a revelation of something or you get a breakthrough and it's almost like why couldn't I see this? I, I, I kind of saw it but I didn't do anything about it. I kind of saw it but never really saw it or I kind of heard it but never really put it into practice whatever it was and so eyesight and hearing is so important we're to look at this world and walk through this world with the eyes of faith not the eyes of the flesh it's very easy to look at things in the flesh and panic and that's where we've got to look to God and we've got to look through the eyes of faith and through the word of God and the promises of God and although the flesh might be saying well this is the situation yeah but what does the spirit say you know and so we have to balance those things out and we have to walk closely to the Lord so Saul who become Paul wrote in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6 therefore we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in the body we are away from the Lord for we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. And so often as believers, we can forget that, you know. We, we want to see everything. We, we don't want Jesus to be a lamp unto our feet. We want him to be a floodlight into our future, you know. And uh, I can really relate to that. But it's, it's a lamp unto our feet because that's the faith walk. And a lot of the time, the flesh doesn't like the faith walk. And we can end up leaning towards the flesh and letting our, our humanity win. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm therefore put on the full armor of god so that when the days of evil come you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand so there's an example here and it's saying look that the you need to be able to see the battle for the believer is not a flesh and blood battle it's not a physical tangible battle in that sense the battle is a spiritual battle, okay? Now, we can't see in the spiritual realm, as it were, with our natural eyes, but we can see, according to the word, into the spiritual realm with the eyes of faith, amen? But if we're not got good vision, guess what? You're not going to see the enemy coming. Why? Because you're distracted. You're going to let your self-pity get the better of you. You're going to let the rejection win over the word of God. And we have to fight those things. So we have to make sure, am I seeing correctly? Am I seeing correctly? And that was the whole purpose of my uh, letter from the uh, uh, opticians, is to make sure I'm seeing properly. Do you know, 
once you reach a certain age, you can't drive a car unless you've had a proper eyesight test. Why? Because you'll be a danger on the road. You'll simply be a danger. Well, how much more in the spiritual realm? Are you a danger to other people, your friends, your family, your local church, whatever, because you're not walking according to the spirit? You become a danger to other people. So we've got to make sure we look properly. Keep your focus on Jesus. Amen. Irrespective of stumbles in the past, whatever, we keep our eyes on Jesus. That's what the word says. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. So let's uh, let's have a look at the uh, scripture this morning. And we're turning to 2 Kings, 2 Kings and chapter 6 and verse 8. And it says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel doesn't say Israel was at war with him. Now, sometimes people are at war with you, but you're not at war with them. But that doesn't mean they're not at war with you. There's powers and principalities, and, and Satan is always at war against the church. So sometimes you can wonder what's going on. I've not got a problem with this people group or this person or whatever, yet they're waging war. Well, this was the situation here. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel, after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up a camp and, and such a place. Then the, uh, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware passing at this place because the king of Aram and the Amorans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would not uh, so that he would be on his guard in such places. Okay, so you've got the king is waging war, he's trying to attack the Israelites, he's making his plans all the time as to what he's going to do. But Elisha, God is telling Elisha, Elisha's looking in the spirit, God is telling Elisha, and Elisha is warning the king of Israel, listen, don't go to this place because you'll be trapped. Don't go to that place because you'll be attacked. Now, Elijah was the spiritual son of Elisha, okay? And he carried on his mantle and ministry. He served as his his son in the Lord, as his protege or his assistant. And there's a key with leadership. If you want leadership, then start to serve. You know, start to serve other people. Serve in your local church. Serve your pastors. Serve friends and family. God doesn't make leaders. He makes servants. And servants become leaders. And Elijah was Elijah's servant at the end of the day. And he had served under four different kings of Israel. In this situation, Elisha's role was to protect the king and protect Israel. He is almost fulfilling the role of, as an armour bearer to the king and informing him what's going on. Now, there's a massive lesson here to learn because Elisha communicated with the king. And one of the biggest problems that we have today is a lack of communication. You know, my friend Ricky will tell you, Tony will tell you, 
An informed pastor is a happy pastor. If, if people don't communicate, we end up at the Tower of Babel. And at the Tower of Babel, they spoke in one language. So God said, let's go down and confuse their language. And it said, God confused their language. And then this impeded their progress. So there's going to be resistance in the movement of God when we do not communicate correctly. Communicate fast, communicate honestly and communicate clearly. Amen. It's very, very important. Half a story ain't no good. Half a sentence ain't no good. You know, we need correct information. You know, Satan always tries to bring confusion. And so often you'll be in a situation and you write the rest of the story yourself. You write what other people are thinking because that's what you think they're thinking. But they never said that. We've got to be careful. And that's to walk in the flesh. So Elijah communicated with the king and it showed there was an obvious closeness between them. If you want to be effective, don't be an island. OK, if you're going to sit there and say, well, I get hurt in relationships, I get disappointed. Do you know what? You will never be effective. I get hurt in relationships. I get disappointed. But I'm still effective because I'm still willing to run with relationships because that's the way the kingdom works. That's the way God works. That's the way we have to work. So don't be an island. It was obviously that there was a relationship, a closeness between the prophet and the king. The king trusted Elisha and he followed his instructions. OK, the king listened to the advice given him. And there's lots of people uh, want to offer you their opinion or you want their opinion on anything and everything. But what you don't have is advisors. OK, and what you need is advisors in life. There are people I can I can give my son my opinion on something or I can give him advice. Two different things, two different things. My opinion on something I might share with with uh, somebody that I'm not their pastor. I might share just my opinion or even if I am their pastor, I might just share my opinion. But if I'm sharing my advice, it comes with wisdom and authority and it's instructive. It's not a suggestion. Opinion is a suggestion. You do with this what you want. Advice that even the government have advisors. The Queen has advisors who are experts in different areas and they will present her information and advise her. Amen. They're not just saying, well, it's my opinion, it's up to you. I don't really know, but, you know, get advisors around you. There is, there is safety in wise counsel. There is safety. The king was safe. Why? Because he was willing to trust and listen to advice. The trouble is, we don't always like the advice that we're given. I don't like the advice that I'm given. But just because I don't like the advice, it doesn't mean it's not true and it's not wise, okay? It doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it's not wise. And you need wise advisors around you, people that you can trust. And the king trusted Elisha and he followed his advice. The king listened to the advice given him. And as I said, so many people want to 
want advice, but they don't really want advice. They want an, an opinion. And there's a, a, a mile of difference between the two. And I just believe that's going to help someone this morning. Uh, who do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Proverbs 11, 14 says, For a lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors, not many opinions. It says many advisors. You know, victory is won. A nation falls through lack of advice, lack of guidance. And sometimes we just want to do it all on our own. Or a lot of the time we don't want to do it all on our own, but we feel we've got no choice or people don't care. But in actual fact, they do care, you know. So this enraged, verse 11, back to King 6, verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officials and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of Israel. They couldn't work it out. He thought there was a traitor in the camps. None of us, my lord, uh, none of us, my lord and king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the kings, uh, the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Wow, how powerful is that? They recognised that Elisha was a man of God, a real prophet. And in actual fact, they were saying even the things that you, you say on your own in your bedroom, in the quiet place, God is telling Elisha. And Elisha's telling the king. And do you know what? There are so many so-called prophets and apostles. We've got prophets and apostles pouring out of our ears. But when you weigh what these so-called prophets and apostles say, how much of it is biblical? How much of it comes true? Scripture says you are to test prophecy. Just because somebody stands up and gives a so-called prophetic word, don't make them a prophet as such. Okay, we need to really be wise. There's so much junk out there on the internet. People are, are running after prophets, running after apostles instead of running after Jesus and running after the word. Even scripture says in the end times, people will be running here, there and everywhere looking for signs and wonders. They want the, the glitter and the cloud and the gold and they want the prophetic word. Fortune telling. Tell me now what 2022 looks like. I need a prophetic word. No, you don't need a prophetic word. You need to move in faith and read your word and be faithful to God and trust that he will lead you. Hallelujah. It's so frustrating because there are so many false prophets and people with a good intention thinking they're prophets and they're not. Prophecy is not personal fortune telling for members of the church. It's not. You don't need that kind of stuff in your life. You need to educate yourself in the word of God. That's what you need. The word of God. And scripture said he lead us into all truth by his spirit. Hallelujah. Now I'm not saying all prophets are wrong or prophecy is wrong. But check it out. Check it out. That's what scripture teaches us. So, 
Elisha's prophetic gifting is exposing the plans of the enemy. And sometimes if you're walking with your eyes open, you can see the plan of the enemy. I've been in a situation this week and I walked into it. I wasn't really very worried. It could have gone a bit peak tong, could have gone belly up. But I didn't feel that worried because I could see the hand of the enemy at work. Crystal clear. I could see it. And so I wasn't particularly worried about the situation because I knew the enemy had got in that the situation I was going to deal with wasn't really that bad. Just the enemy was coming in. But the battle is won in the spiritual realm, often not the physical. You get the results in the physical, but it's won in the spiritual. Okay, verse 13. So the king says, go and find where he is. The king ordered. So I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Now remember, the enemy always tries to uh, work under cloak and dagger. Okay. When things get brought into light and you begin to have conversations, you begin to get victory, although there's probably a lot of pain there sometimes, nonetheless. But when people don't want to communicate and they want to run away, that's when you find things in the hidden in, in, in the dark. Amen? So they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up, he went out early the next morning an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Now this was Elisha's servant. So Elisha was a servant to the king. And this man was the servant to Elisha. Now no matter what level God takes you to, you remain a servant. You remain a servant. The queen, the beautiful queen of this country, Queen Elizabeth II, is a servant. She serves this nation as she has done for all these years. Amen. Please pray for the queen. She needs our prayers, our support, our love and our admiration. admiration. Notice that the army surrounded the city by night. The dark room is where you will develop your negatives. That's where you, when you stay in, in the light, you stay in good company with wise people around you, the enemy won't get in. But when you're on your own and discontented, disillusioned, disappointed, all the negative comes in and then you're in the dark place and the enemy says, let's set up camp. Let's set up camp right here. Elisha himself was servant to the king, as we said. He had his servant and often often people don't want to serve. And when you look across scripture, the entirety of scripture, you see that God always uses men and women who have a servant heart. They have a servant heart and that is the qualification. And he fulfills his purposes through such people. You're going into this year, get a servant's heart again. Okay, and then halfway through the year, you might turn around and say, oh, I'm flipping out, I feel like a servant. Yay, you done it. Well done, you got it. Congratulations. We all, we all get that. Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered to his servant. 
Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, bear in mind, this is an army, not just a little group of mavericks. This is an army with horses, chariots, a strong force, Scripture says. So it wasn't like a little bandit brigade. It sent an army to do war, to do battle. It sent an army after one man. Wow. Do you know what sent an, uh, Satan will send as much as he can to bring you down? Do you know what? They sent an army after one man because the, that one man was so powerful. You don't realise how powerful you are. Any man, woman or child with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus living with them is no match for the whole of hell. It's no match. We've got the victory in Jesus' name. And they sent an army to get one man. And sometimes you wonder why you're under attack or you wonder why you're struggling. Listen, there's an army trying to take you down and they can't. Amen. They can't. Hallelujah. You've been sealed by Jesus. So verse 16 says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and opened uh, Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Now, he didn't pray for boldness at that point. He didn't pray uh, for a spirit of fear to be removed. He didn't pray all sorts of prayers that he could have prayed. He prayed, open his eyes so that he may see. Amen. Open his eyes so that he may see. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Well, who was that? Well, that was the angelic forces that we're going to get into in a minute. It was easy for, uh, it would have been easy for the servant of Elisha to conclude that the prophet had lost his mind. He could have gone, do you know what? My boss has lost the plot. He could have mistrusted him totally. But Elisha asked, for his eyes to be open. He didn't ask for supernatural strength, boldness or anything. He said, Lord, open my servant's eyes. And sometimes we just need to pray, Lord, open my eyes. Even praying for people with, for salvation. Just pray, Lord, open their eyes. Remove the scowls. Let them see the truth. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this enemy with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elijah asked. So Elijah says one prayer for his servant, which is open his blind eyes. And for the enemy, he says, close his eyes cause blindness over him and it gives you a bit of a method in how to go about spiritual warfare in many times many situations and so suddenly a confidence can come in because in the flesh all the servant could see was they were outnumbered by an army they were going to be slaughtered there's no way out of this they're completely surrounded but in the Spirit, suddenly when he can see in the spirit, he sees that in actual fact, the entire army of Aram had hundreds of thousands of chariots of fire and horses 
and horsemen all standing around, all there ready, wanting, waiting. And it's exactly the same for us today. Sometimes we only see the enemy and we fail to see our God behind the enemy. Amen? And we've got to remember that. What joy. It must have been brilliant to be that servant. Can you imagine? One minute he's quaking in his boots, absolutely bricking it. He's like, oh, let's do a bunk. What are we going to do? The next minute he's like, yeah, boy. Come on, then. This ain't nothing, mate. Why? Because his hope is in God. Absolutely amazing. And what is amazing as well, in actual fact, I believe that army stayed with Elisha for most of his ministry because uh, 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 Elisha was called up in a chariot. His, his, uh, his father was called up in a chariot. So this whole, a chariot of fire. So this whole uh, army around Elijah and Elisha may, may have been a constant thing. You just don't know. It's wonderful. Now, it's interesting to note that all the horses and chariots that surrounded the armies of Aram were all there, but they did not fight. They did not fight. Elisha's not picked up a sword. None of the Israelites, not the servant, and none of the enemy have pulled out their swords. Elisha has won this battle in the spiritual realm and he has disarmed an entire army and even the armies of God, what were there, were not called upon to fight. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just like, wow. But boldness comes upon the servant. Boldness is in Elijah's hands. Wisdom comes upon him. We need the Lord to open our eyes as well. Verse 19, Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Now he's talking to the enemy. So Elisha, they can't see Elijah. They're looking for Elijah. Elijah comes out and says, oh, hello boys. This isn't the road you're looking for. And this isn't the city. Follow me. And I will lead you to the man you are looking for. Well, did Elijah lie? And sometimes you could say, well, Elijah lied really because he was mad. Well, he didn't lie because he's going to lead them to himself. He's just going to be in a different location. And I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. So the very man they were trying to trap leads them, which is crazy, to Samaria, all the way to Samaria, and then prays, Lord, open their eyes so that these men can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and uh, they looked where they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Now, see, again, the king is still asking Elisha for advice, not opinion, advice. And he said, shall I kill them? Okay. Now, most kings slaughter the lot of them and a lot of the time in biblical history you will find that every 
uh, enemy was slaughtered. But on this situation, this is different to the norm. And he asked him, shall I kill them? Another important thing you see here is the principle of, of the fact that the spiritual blind men are easy to deceive. These men were all deceived. Elijah led them, the whole lot of them. And Jesus said regarding the Pharisees in Matthew 15 verse 14, leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into a pit. You know, and if people, sometimes when you're trying to lead people who just simply don't want to know, you know, and you can throw your, you can throw your precious pearl before the swine. After Elisha leads the entire army that were, were sent on a mission to kill him, and instead he leads them to the king of Israel. And it's interesting to see that the king of Israel addresses Elisha. Now, his, the king is the superior one in authority, yet he addresses Elisha as my father. My father. And there's a massive spiritual principle in this. Just as Elisha had seen Elisha, as a father now the king of israel who's more superior yet is willing not to be proud and pulls himself down and he regards elisha as a spiritual father to him and you know we need spiritual mothers and fathers in the kingdom of god you know we need them we need people who have got wisdom who have got experience who have got boldness to help us to lead us to guide us and if you haven't got people like that in your life then pray that god will put people like that in your life and give you a good spiritual mother or father or both whatever in your life who will equip you but be willing to take the advice okay some people have come to me and said, oh, you're a spiritual father to me. I said, I'm not a spiritual father to you. And I see they look disappointed. I say, if I was a spiritual father to you, you'd treat me differently, number one. Number two, you'd start to learn and take heed of what's being said. And sometimes people come to you and they just constantly drain you, really just wanting your opinion, not your advice. And they just drain and suck the life out of you and even though you might tell them wonderful truths, they never implement it. And there's been many a person come to me and ask me for advice. So I said, look, I'm not going to give you it because you will not take it. You're not going to take it anyway. So I'm not going to do that. Go and find somebody you respect that you will submit to and you'll take their advice. That's what you need to do. Amen. Verse 22. Do not kill them, he answered. Uh, would you kill those you have captured with your own sow, uh, sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared, prepared for them a great feast. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. How ludicrous is this in terms of warfare and strategy? You've got the enemy who has been attacking you, waged war against you, okay? He's waged war against you. He's attacking you time and time again or trying to. They've been raiding your stuff. You finally get the upper hand. 
The enemy is blinded and comes under your authority. All of a sudden, you've got all your enemy against uh, uh, in front of you. And at this point, you should be thinking, fantastic, slaughter them all. And then he, that's the obvious choice. So he questions the prophet and says, shall I kill them? Because that's kind of normal. And he says, no, don't kill them. In actual fact, set before them food and water. And the king takes the advice which is ludicrous by the way in the natural and he takes the advice and not only does he set before them food and water just baseline verse 23 says and he prepared a great feast for them wow doesn't it remind you when jesus tells you how to deal with your enemies he said you know what love them Love those who persecute you. Do good to those who mean harm to you. You're preparing a feast in heaven. It's incredible. And when you read this, the strategy plan in the supernatural is absolutely mind-blowing and will pay dividends for the future. So verse 23, he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. That's another point. You might let them go, but maybe you'd send them in a different place, a different direction. Don't let them regather, you know. But instead, he returns them to their master. So the bands from Aram stop raiding the Israelite territory. Wow. They stop raiding it. So this method, this plan, this way of seeing in the supernatural causes decisions in the natural to become supernatural and somewhat crazy. And without raising a sword, a shield, Elisha defeats the entire army. Wonderful report. He looks into the spiritual realm and he sees the chariots of fire and the horsemen surrounding. He leads these people because God has answered his prayer for them to become blind. Once they have received their sight again, what she requests from the Lord, even the king says, right, should we now kill them? And he says, no, in actual fact, this is what we're going to do. We're going to return them. But for we, before we even return them, let's give them the best sending off possible. I mean, this weren't phoning Uber to bring you a McDonald's. I mean, this is a banquet, a great feast for them. Wow. This is the enemy of the king of Israel who had sought to kill Elisha. Imagine if somebody's on their way to kill you. Would you give them a feast? They were going to kill Elisha, kill the Israelite king, yet they had the opportunity themselves to kill their enemies, but they showed mercy and kindness. Do you know what? Sometimes we all claim to be a part of the body of Christ, and yet people will not show kindness to brother and sister within the same church, within the same kingdom. Yet this kindness was towards 
uh, uh, ungenerated pagan heathen people and yet the Israelite uh, Elisha shows kindness and the Israelite king shows kindness feeds them sends them packing not one sword is apt to be drawn not one life not one drop of blood not one drop of sweat has taken place and Elisha has just won one of the greatest victories in Israel's history it's astonishing this is how we fight our battles i know we've got that song this is how i fight my battles but words are cheap people think this is how we fight our battles. and we all say oh i love it i love it i love it and we run outside that bunch of idiots and forgot what we just sung this is how we do it with the sword the word of god hallelujah listen 2022 effective life church let it be a wonderful wonderful year begin to fight begin to see begin to look don't be like those who look without seeing they can't take it in they hear noise but they can't perceive what it is look see be wise have a kingdom strategy get your hands on the plow in this year oh exciting days ahead i am so excited for Effective Life Church. Happy days, exciting days. Do you know what? There might be trouble ahead, but guess what? The Lord's got your back. He's got your front as well. Just remove that, that blindness. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the excitement we get from it, the victory that we can achieve when we understand. Oh God, help us to receive advice. Help us to turn to mothers and fathers in the faith, Lord God. Help us, Lord, not to walk in the flesh. Help us to walk in the spirit. Help, Lord, I pray that our strategy would be so bizarre sometimes that even we don't understand it, but you do. Father, just as you gave Elisha and his servant the victory, I thank you that you've given us the victory. Jesus, you said at the cross, it is finished. It is accomplished. Oh, we celebrate that victory. And as the enemy comes to outwit and outmanoeuvre, I thank you, Lord God. We can send him packing as well with a packed lunchbox. In Jesus' name, God bless your heart.